This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to Liberty Now. I'm your host, John Verd, trainer, piper, Navy diver, and Liberty lover. Thank you for stopping by. You might have accidentally stumbled across the show, or maybe like me, you've got a sense there is a growing constriction of our fundamental freedoms, and you're searching for answers outside the mainstream media narrative. Well, you're in the right place, and you're not alone. My mission is to cultivate a deep appreciation of liberty and to expose the obstacles between us and true freedom. Each week here, I'd like to chat with you about stuff that matters to you and me and everyone we know. We'll be following the stories behind the headlines, asking questions, and talking to people who are taking action. In a few minutes, I'm going to play an interview with one of those people who decided to do something about corruption in his hometown, and in the process has probably saved hundreds of lives. In uh, 2007, I discovered the largest intentional poisoning of a population in the United States history by a government agency. That was my good friend Tim Janicek, back in the USA where I hail from. You might have guessed by the accent. We'll listen to more in a few. If you're just tuning in, this is John Verd on Liberty Now On Air, weekly broadcast slash podcast on 96.9 Plains FM. You can also catch up with me over at libertynow.com. Well, 2020, finally behind us. Happy New Year. May your 2021 be less interesting. I also like want to uh, dedicate this first episode to... Uh, couple of very good friends of mine who unfortunately have passed away in the last couple of years. Uh, my good friend Dave McClave, who originally was going to be working on a project like this with me, and uh, another friend, Jeff Nelson, who just very recently passed away from cancer. Love you guys. So how are you doing today? I mean, really, how are you doing? We are living in extraordinary times, aren't we? We've been through a lot the last couple of years. Some of us uh, still reeling from a redundancy or other unplanned change in living conditions. But for the moment, we've been able to get through it, catch a breath, take stock, look around. And I, for one, am feeling very fortunate to be here right now in this part of the world. I know it's a lot tougher in other parts of the world, including my native home, Washington State in the USA. But it also feels like we're in the eye of a gigantic hurricane, doesn't it? That doesn't mean we can't get through it. But first, we need to wake up and ask questions, because you can't overcome what you're unwilling to admit is happening. So we're going to start digging into ideas and events that affect all of us, we humans here on this planet that we share, because it's the only one we've got right now, and we need to get along. And whether we choose to do anything about it, we are in for some big changes on the horizon, my friend. Some people talk about the, quote, new world order. Other people talk about the singularity, which, uh, according to Wikipedia, is 
a hypothetical point in time at which technological growth becomes uncontrollable and irreversible, resulting in unforeseeable changes to human civilization. I've recently just finished a book called The Fourth Age, and it talks about the major turning points in human history. We've had three so far, according to author Byron Reese. He says, 100,000 years ago, we harnessed fire, which led to language. 10,000 years ago, we developed agriculture, which led to cities and warfare. And 5,000 years ago, we invented the wheel and writing, which led to the nation state. Although I question some of these timelines, time I think we are now on the doorstep of the fourth age he talks about, brought about by two technologies, AI and robotics. And no doubt you've recently been hearing about the Great Reset. And we won't go into that now, but I do think we are on the brink of a major restructuring of society, not necessarily to our benefit. Or in the words of Megadeth's Dave Mustaine, Whatever we want to call it, I think we are in the middle of a major historic turning point in world history. So how did we get here? What would you call this time we're in? And what do you think is behind it? Is this new world order even a thing? Well, certain leaders and elites certainly think so. Uh, here's a little compilation in case you doubt it. Take a listen. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. It is a big idea, a new world order, a world in which there is the very real prospect of a new world order. After 1989, President Bush kept said, and it's a phrase that I often use myself, that we needed a new world order. There is a, a phrase his father used, I think, only once, and hasn't been used since, and that is a new world order. Let us reorder this world around us. When really a new world order can be created. A new world order. There's a need for a new world order. India and China are clearly becoming part of our new order. It is a new world order. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order. And you can hear more of that on the website at libertynow.com. What they're talking about here is a single one-world government. This is what globalism is all about. If you think it's a good idea, then you haven't really looked into it. But big picture, this is where it's all headed. Most of the world events we're seeing, all the seemingly disconnected chaos right now, is really about and part of reestablishing feudalism with a very small ruling class over the rest of us. And they would also like it if there were a lot fewer of us, too. If that sounds crazy, good! because it doesn't lead to a good place for humanity. But before we dismiss this as exaggeration or conspiracy theory, 
you need to know that they are deadly serious. One World Government has been a plan dating back more than 100 years to 1877 with Cecil Rhodes of Rhodes Scholarship fame. You may have heard the name. And regarding the term conspiracy theory, a little side note, that term was deliberately put into the public lexicon to shame people from asking questions about events that would expose actual conspiracies. The term was given a lot of traction in 1967 as part of the CIA's effort in the U.S. Uh, in response to public and media questioning the official narrative of the Warren Commission of, on uh, JFK's assassination. Long and short of it, if we want to keep our individual liberties, then we all need to participate in governance. We need to remember the role of government, and we must remind our elected employees of their roles. We pay them, not the other way around. They are paid employees, not rulers. We are the ones who decide which laws we approve of and which ones we want to change for our benefit, not their benefit. But if we fail to hold them accountable, they tend to forget their place. You've got to remember, where people fear the government, you have tyranny. Where the government fears people, you have liberty. But before we go too far down that rabbit hole, I want to get to this interview. If you're just tuning in, this is John Verd on Liberty Now On Air, weekly broadcast slash podcast on 96.9 Plains FM. You can also catch up with me over at LibertyNow.com. Okay, I'd like to play an interview with my good friend, Tim Janicek. He exposed one of the biggest contaminations of public water by local government in U.S. history. Please forgive the quality of this recording. It wasn't done in studio because of the time difference between Christchurch and Chicago, so we had to record this at home. Okay, let's take a listen. I'm going to introduce my guest here. Uh, Tim Janicek is a good friend of mine. He lives in Tinley Park. Tinley Park, Illinois, in the United States. In Chicago, near Chicago. Uh, Tim and I go way back. I've known Tim for, gosh, uh, over 20 years now, would you say, Tim? Since the 90s, the 1990s. Yeah. You remember the 90s? Vaguely. And uh, a lot has happened since then. Um, you know, we're on opposite sides of the world now. You're over there in the U.S. and I'm in uh, New Zealand. <laughs> I believe you're in the future. I am in the future. That's right. It's Saturday here and you're Sunday. Yeah. And uh, we are talking through the miracle of technology in very near real time. So, Tim, a little bit about you. I know you've done a little more digging into things uh, geopolitically and, and local politics than most people. Uh, do you want to talk about any of that? You know, I've always been uh, an observer of the government. And whenever I've seen corruption that wasn't seen by the general public, I felt like I had to be the one to bring out that corruption. And in uh, 2007, I discovered the largest intentional poisoning of a population in the United States history by a government agency, and that was Crestwood, a village uh, a little bit outside of Chicago. And they were using an illegal well, a well that was known to be contaminated, and they were told by the United States Environmental Protection Agency not to use that well. Who was told not to use this well? 
The water district? The water district in the village of Crestwood was informed by the United States EPA that there were toxins in this well and that they shouldn't use it. And for about 20 years, they said they weren't using that well when, you know, they actually were. And it turns out there was some relatively nasty chemicals in that well. It was a mile, less than a mile away from one of the most contaminated bodies of water on Earth. And everyone knew that. Uh, an artificial canal dug through the Chicago area. Yeah, when you say everyone knew that, do you mean that everyone knew that there was contamination, but they weren't aware that the water was being put into the public waterway? Exactly, exactly. They knew that the water table underneath their village was contaminated, but no one suspected that the village was using that water. They kept it a secret. They forged all the water reports and uh Long story short, they did this for about 20 years, and hundreds, if not thousands of people are the victims of uh, some diseases from this water, cancer, leukemia, syndromes, um, you know, diseases and, and exposures that the U.S. EPA says will probably peak out in about another five to 10 years. Have there been uh, lawsuits or any findings that have been able to link that contamination to some of these diseases? Any um, actual cases? Well, you know, you know, it was interesting. Yeah, there were plenty of lawsuits. Uh, probably the village settled uh, $50 million worth of them. They were sued by the attorney general in the state of Illinois in the biggest lawsuit ever unleashed by that attorney general. This was one government agency uh, of the United States basically prosecuting another. I was told it was the very first time in history that EPA executed a search warrant on another government agency. So it was really wow. to watch federal government and this local government dance around this issue. Long and the short of it is the government covered up uh, the real extent of the contamination and the poisoning. And it took me nine months from when I knew the people in this town were drinking contaminated water until I could get the government to do anything about it. More doors were shut, more phones were hung up, uh, more people told me to uh, kiss off. Tim, this is amazing. This is like Aaron Brockovich. It's far bigger than Aaron Brockovich. This is a whole village, and you're talking about 15,000 people live there. And the chemicals were far more deadly. Aaron Brockovich's chemical, the hexavalent chromium-6 in the water out there in California, was bad. And it was it was the power company uh, covering this up. And, but this is a local government in this case. They're the people who were responsible for providing you with safe drinking water. I think this speaks volumes on your ability to uh, sniff out corruption and do something about it. But uh, I guess the first question is, how did you catch wind of this? I was involved in some politics with this village. You know, uh, my ex-wife was arrested one day while she was uh, took the kids up to donate some money to the Salvation Army in front of a Walmart in this town. Yeah. A couple of dollars in change, my kids gathered up, and they decided to go donate it. Yeah, I remember and this. Parked in front of the Walmart, and she left my two-year-old sleeping in the car. She locked the car right in front of the Salvation Army bell ringer who was accepting the donation, and she walked about three car lengths away and put the money in the pot with the kids. When she returned to the car, she was arrested, and the state took our child away. From arrested by whom? She was arrested by the Crestwood police. They said that she had uh, left the kid out in the car for 10 minutes unattended. Were they just patrolling or driving by and saw this? or 
They were just patrolling. It's pretty much we obtained video from Walmart after subpoenaing it, and pretty much about several seconds after she walked out of the car, an agent of the police department pulled up behind her and got out of uh, her car and you know confronted her. And uh, they said that they were out there for 10 minutes. And the video showed, I believe it was 23 seconds. Wow. Anyway, the, the car was locked. The kid was sleeping. And, and the heavy hand of the state came in to take my child away. Uh, I basically avoided that that night and got my kid back. But I found it interesting when I had a family member arrested for neglecting a child. On that same night, the government that arrested my ex-wife for neglecting that child was poisoning all of its residences. They went to the bathroom and brushed their teeth and drank a glass of water. It was an irony. It, it is amazing. And I, I find, you know, the more I look into these stories, the more hypocrisy I see. It, it needs to be exposed. That's where you start to see the corruption. When you see this kind of hypocrisy, you would have done this anyway, I suppose. But, but how did you find out about the water? contamination because of the politics involved after that arrest and my anger with the police department for doing that i got a uh, mysterious message sent to me uh, one night after that and it said uh, is it just me or does the water here in crestwood taste like it's half well water half lake water the water was supposed to come from lake michigan all of it right um lake water out here and they uh they purchased this water from an, an, the community next to them and it struck me i it was so cryptic and i said that's kind of weird and i talked to an attorney friend of mine about this and we talked about it and he said somebody's tipping you off here yeah I found out that the well uh in question the only well that could provide well water to this town it was right under the water tower as they typically are. And I was told to go there and put my ear to the building and, and see if I hear machinery pumping water wow. from the ground up into that tower. And so I did. And, you know, I could tell that a pump, a very large pump was on. It shook the building. Then I went and found records that showed that that pump was being rebuilt at a rate that proved out that it was being used full time. So they had to replace parts on this pump. So you can see records that it's being maintained. As well as the uh, energy bill. Ah, uh, yeah. Particular Which is all part of public yeah. record, I assume. Right. And from when I found all of this out, I, I was calling senators, my state senators, my United States senators, representatives. I was calling everybody I could in power to get someone out there to see that this was happening, to stop it and to get to the bottom of it. And nobody would. None of the politicians would. Until I spoke with Congressman Bobby Rush. Mm -hmm. And I had found a newspaper article from 1976 where the current mayor of this town had offended Congressman Rush when he was first elected. Uh, he said that a black man could never represent the white ethics of <laughs> Wow. When I saw that in the newspaper, I said, here's the guy I got to talk to who's going to crucify this mayor for what he's done. Yeah. I called his office first and uh, told him I want to come in and talk to the congressman. And that really didn't get anywhere. And then when I went to his office and I told his secretary that we had a common enemy, 
and I had information that this common enemy was committing a crime, I was let into the senator's, <laughs> the, the representative's office. Interesting. He was very happy to see me. He told me he remembered this uh, comment being made in 1976. He said it made his mother cry. Wow. And, uh, from his office right there, he called the um, Attorney General of the United States, Eric Holder. Oh, yeah. Congressman Rush ordered Attorney General Holder to do these things oh, okay. on the phone in front of him. Wow. Well, Attorney General Holder then contacted the United States EPA, and then they got in touch with me. And one of the best things that happened, when the United States EPA raided Prestwood in this first ever search warrant against another government entity, they called me 10 minutes before, and they said, Tim, if you, uh, you want to see something incredible, you want to get to the Village Hall or the Water Department in Prestwood within 10 minutes. And I, I drove out there, and I parked the truck in front of this uh, water department, and uh, a Black Hawk helicopter flew <laughs> over, and uh, blue Chevy Suburbans from every direction came, and, and men with those blue windbreakers from the FBI, the EPA, and interestingly enough, the Coast Guard, wow. raided the building with machine guns, kept everybody in an office there for uh, several hours, and then left with all the computers and boxes of files. Wow. And I knew, you know, this is done. Wow. You know, from there, I knew you couldn't trust the government. To go from there, uh, basically, like I said, uh, no one was really prosecuted. A couple of uh, fall guys, the mayor who made this all happen was deemed to be uh, uh, senile. He had Parkinson's. Huh. And, uh, moved down to Florida, and they said they couldn't prosecute him because of the Parkinson's, but uh, his driver's license in Florida was renewed months before they said they, you know, they couldn't prosecute him. Oh, interesting. Him. Yeah, you, you imagine some backdoor deals had been made, but uh, you got corrective action. You got the water supply cleaned up, right? Yeah. It stopped the people from drinking that. It explained a lot of the deadly illnesses that these people had. Uh, I would say that there's probably hundreds of deaths already from this and probably will be uh, thousands of deaths from this. I know people who have died from things that now they're saying, wow, it was from, you know, from the water. The wow. doctors were able to help these people a lot more. People got money and coverage and testing because of the lawsuits. Uh, I didn't make a penny from it and, and I didn't care to. It was, um, it was just hard to know this. And to know what these, you know, these people were being poisoned by their own government right. intentionally, ultimately so that this government could save money. Thank you for taking a listen. I hope you found that as interesting as I did. If you'd like to hear the full conversation, head over to LibertyNow.com. And if you care about liberty as much as I do, if you want to take action, please share it. You can also email me at john at libertynow.com. Until next time, be good and keep asking questions. Everything that they do
Yeah.